the more you do, the more gets done because it is, I believe, fundamentally, a really lovely thing to give. It's just good. It's just good doing it. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a business podcast sponsored by InCloud Solutions, the centre of excellence for mid-market ERP software, business by design. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and this month I'm joined by someone who has many talents, but I've invited her on to talk about ESG. If you haven't caught up with this term yet, then it stands for Environmental, Social and Governance, a set of socially conscious criteria that's becoming ever more important to business and investors. Janice Fair handles such issues at Sapphire Systems and joins me today to shed some more light on what lies behind the terminology in a really practical sense. Welcome, Janice. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Lucy. It's great to see you. Now, I'd like to start by asking you how you got involved in ESG, because we met at an in-person meeting, which is very unusual these days. And you started to tell me how you became involved in ESG for Sapphire. And I I really wanted to find out more. So now's your chance. Oh, thanks, Lucy. Well, I just wanted to say I heard about responsible business through a friend of mine in college. So uh, many, many years ago. Oh, now we're on a podcast, aren't we? So I could probably say six months ago when I graduated from college, but that would be a total lie, of course. About 25 years ago, my friend Claire Padfield, she was telling me about what responsible business is. And then we went off to do our own things. And one day I was working at Sapphire and Ian Caswell, who's the founder and owner of Sapphire, came into the office all fired up and said that he'd been to an event that a charity called part of the city ran um, where he found out all about responsible business and did I know anything about responsible business and I was like oh yes my friend Claire told me all about it and he said would I like to go on some free workshops for responsible business that heart of the city run and honestly I recommend them so much for all SMEs that's what we were at the time we're a small or medium-sized business enterprise now I don't think we are, but um, at the time, at the time we were able to take advantage of that. So it was a free workshops, and it was so inspiring, Lucy. Like there were things like um, you can install beehives on your um, roofs, and that's what people were doing because it's so important. Bees are important, and, and I, there was just brilliant speakers. And my head, in my head, first of all went, oh, I'd really like to be able to say that we install SAP, Sun and Beehives. <laughs> That's what I thought would be brilliant for our company, uh, which I've not been able to do yet. I haven't been able to install a beehive yet. But about a year after I went on the workshops, we had 14 employees with conversational Spanish. That was because we were giving lunchtime lessons. £6,000 we raised for our chosen charity in our first year. 12 pints of blood. We had 50 cakes eaten from bake sales. 120 quiz questions answered from all our quizzes. And we had five school children from Southwark with a Sapphire mentor and 30 kids with an apprentice-like project finished. And then 18 months after that, we won the Lord Mayor's Dragon Award. Yes, 
So I was, we were very proud of ourselves, I have to say. Sounds like, from what you were saying, that ESG has had many different guises and has been around for a long time and is maybe just another way of talking about companies being responsible. Oh, that's so true, Lucy. And it's one of my bugbears. Every workshop that I've ever been about responsible business, I see it always begins with a 15 minute talk about what we should call it. Is it purpose driven? Is it carbon neutral, zero carbon, ESG? I, I find that really quite frustrating, actually. For me, it's just about trying to do good, right? Just trying to do your best, I think. Language is important, I think, in a way, ESG does sort of encompass more than responsible business does. I think you covered it, didn't you, at the beginning? It's talking about the environmental, it's talking about social, and it's talking about governance, which means that you do have to deal with all those areas if you're going to work with ESG. So I suppose it is important. Do you think that ESG is getting so much publicity at the moment because of the importance that everybody's placing on the e-bit on the environmental aspect i think that's that's very true especially when you're talking about young people that the and i don't blame them really i mean we have done just terrible things to this planet and and it's there's still people out there that don't want to take responsibility for that and i can see why young people are coming up going you have to do something about this and i can tell that from the young people that come into the company as well and it's i'm really proud of the fact that as a company we are carbon neutral i think it's just the beginning as well i think everyone needs to do more it's interesting though that you touched on generational differences because that was definitely something I wanted to ask you about. When you're speaking to people in a company, in, in this instance in Sapphire, do you get different reactions from different generations? Very much so. Although just because somebody is older doesn't mean that they're not 100% behind it. The driving force of this is Ian, not to say that Ian is old. <laughs> There's different ways of a Approaching people, though, I think one of the things that Ian always wanted to do right at the beginning was not make anybody get involved with responsible business. But Lucy, what's lovely is that it's just good. It's just good doing it. So we um, keep a computer room open for the Manor Society, which is a charity that's quite close to us in the sh- near the Shard. The sales team in particular got really involved with it. And I think this is why, because one of the salespeople went in, volunteered, and then came back and told people, you know, well, actually, I helped someone who's homeless fill in an application to see his kids, or I helped somebody fill in a CV to get their CV together for a job application. And it really matters, you know, it makes you feel really good. Doing something like that really is just fundamentally a lovely thing to do. And so people would talk about it and then someone else would come up. So it's sort of self-generating. Some other people would come up and go, no, I, I want to volunteer. I want to do that too. Just the more you do, the more gets done because it is, I, I believe fundamentally, a really lovely thing to give, to give. And so all we're doing is facilitating people who want to give. And it, ultimately, it's just a lovely thing. So one of my favorite ones is when we have the 30 kids come in, we had 30 kids come in and then this, the volunteers just go in and the kids just ask them questions about their job. And it's so rewarding because 
you, if you ask them, first of all, what, what, what does it take to work in a city? They go, you have to be mean. You have to be greedy. You have to be posh. Then at the end, they go, what do you think of people that work at Sapphire? And they go, they're really nice. They're really kind. They're like me. And it's just so lovely to see that change with the kids, but also the volunteers that would come out after helping the kids. They, one person came up and went, that is my best day, work day I have ever had, ever and people often have really funny stories. There was someone who was saying, oh, she was, there was a little kid with like huge big glasses looking at him saying, did, did you have glasses when you were at school? Him going, yes. And do, do people pick on you because you've got glasses now? And then that, that person can turn around and go, no. And people think I'm clever because I've got my glasses. Or, and then just the lovely questions they ask, like, do you, do you get free pencil? sharpeners it's so lovely it's so fundamentally lovely working with kids it's so fundamentally lovely sitting down with a socially isolated elderly person and having a a lunch with them there are people that come in and have an idea of what they want to do and what they want to give and we can try to facilitate it but the more you do the more people want to get involved so you are, from what you say, being very much led by the things that enthuse people and you're allowing those people to enthuse others. So yeah. you're not doing it all yourself. <laughs> yes. There's people that go, what is that? Like, what are you doing? It's them that get influenced when their colleague comes back and goes, oh, no, actually, that was just a fantastic experience. The more and more senior management went, oh, this is just good. This is just good for staff well-being, for people coherence for how people think about sapphire and we're actually helping the community so it's such a win-win-win they don't need to be involved with it if they don't want but eventually I think everyone sort of comes back and goes oh actually what can I do I had a guest on here a few months ago called Kirsty Bashforth and she was talking to me about company culture and it's interesting to see how this does feed into company culture because it's as much about staff morale as it is about giving back isn't it Oh they are so interconnected because it makes you feel good doing doing good and then if you're doing if you're doing good then you might run events in order to raise charity, money for charity. And those events involve people getting together. Also, what we've found is that because we ran all the wellbeing events, social events to raise money for charity, when when the pandemic hit, it was a natural place to come to us to go, okay, now we need to reach out to everyone now working at home and we're really concerned. This is all came from senior management. We're concerned about people moving from living, working from home. How can, how can we help them? What can we do for staff? cohesion to make sure everyone is okay it was sort of a natural move for us not to be just raising money for charity but to also run staff well-being events mindful events craft workshops um, and facilitate other kinds of happenings that would help in staff well-being so we really got more involved with making sure people reach out to um, their managers we've we've been involved with HR with um, training managers on how to see anyone that had, might have mental health issues and more importantly what you do next when you find out that that person has got mental health issues we have a number of mental health first aiders which um, I think 
at the very least demonstrates to people in the company that we really do care about their mental health and that it's okay to talk. It sounds to me like the pandemic has advanced, like it's advanced a lot of things, staff well-being and policies and looking after people. Would you agree? I totally agree. Yes. I mean, there was definitely a senior management interest in staff well-being because people were working from home. It's important that everyone knows now that they don't have to go into the office. We don't have to spend that time, money, energy and have that environmental impact of of traveling everywhere. We can do things online like we are doing now. So do you get involved in discussions about how people will operate moving forward, particularly with working from home and staff welfare? Are there any sort of plans in train or discussions in train that you get get involved in? Culturally, responsible business, ESG, is, is very much at the forefront, isn't it? So everything that's happening sort of feeds into responsible business. So, for example, like the ITV have got their wellness initiative. It means that it's becoming more normal for us to say that talking's okay, which means I can go counselling's okay and here's some free counselling. And culturally, things change all the time. And that ESG will be on the forefront of that, I think, especially in the governance side. We're reporting our responsible business on on board reports. And I know that there's a senior management push to try to get this more involved with our DNA, the company, making sure that everybody thinks about ESG all the time in a way, because when you're setting up a new supplier, when you're buying something for the company, everybody needs to be, is this good for the environment? I really love the fact that you said that you're now reporting on ESG issues. I think that's fascinating. And that feeds back into the whole idea that um, investors are interested in it. And it's something that they want to look at. Management are taking it very seriously. That is definitely the case. And even 15 years ago, when we started this out, Ian would say, we knew then that like companies that wanted to do business with you, some of them are going to judge you on what you do in your responsible business. Um, And people that you're when you're employing people, that is what they're looking at as well. We knew that. um, But now we've been, we have our investors, Horizon, and they are very interested in it. They have been working with Social Value Portal, I think, a company called that, And they have set up a whole um, kind of framework that we can work with for for our ESG. So it is important for our investors. And they I know from talks I've had with them that they are judging people, companies that they're looking at to add to their portfolio. They're looking at those companies ESG. So that means that there's funds of money that we'll be able to access if you have a good ESG track record but all of that it was never the reason why we started I know that like we just wanted to do some good and I and I do think that that is really important to keep that as your focus it is important to be able to report it but at the same time it is about doing good absolutely now you have been very modest and you haven't really spoken about yourself so we're going to just talk about Janice for five minutes uh, because you've got an interesting background haven't you and the reason I'm going to bring it up is because Lynn Parker from Funny Women was one of my guests I think about it was this time last year and she came on and she was very entertaining and interesting we uh, spoke for ages talking about how to dress for zoom meetings and uh, (laughs) we went off on a complete tangent and didn't really talk about comedy at all um (laughs) this is your chance to to talk about your involvement in comedy yes lucy and you know what i know lynn parker and many moons ago i was a runner-up in the funny women competition i went 
behind Zoe Lyon, humongously talented and a lovely lady. She's so funny and brilliant. Um, so yeah, I used to do I used to do stand up comedy, um, and I worked at Sapphire and did stand up comedy. So it was great though because I used to do Sapphire's credit control and responsible business. So credit controllers, credit control, nobody ever calls you back. That's the joy of it. So I could always come and go depending on how many gigs I had that week. It was great fun. Doing comedy is amazing. And you meet wonderful people and have great car journeys up and down the country to all the different venues. And I've traveled the world doing comedy, which is such a privilege because the further away you get, the more famous that person assumes you are in in England. (laughs) So they like treat you like royalty over there. You would drive up in the car with all the comedians and you just get the car drive back and arrive back in London maybe at four o'clock in the morning I have stayed in some very hairy places I think there was one point that I was sleeping in a room with 16 men in a hostel in Barcelona thinking this is not the glamorous lifestyle I imagined comedy would be wow I can imagine Mm. that might have been a bit smelly oh the smell the smell I still remember the smell Lucy honestly but it was it was a real privilege to do comedy and when it went well it was the most amazing thing in the whole world and it's so great and people want to come up and touch you and say wow you're amazing and then when it goes badly it's just so horrendous <laughs> everyone looks at you as if to go you are the biggest Egypt that's ever walked this earth and what are you doing thinking you could do comedy but most of the time it goes well um and my favorite gig I'll tell you about my favorite gig this is a bit weird it's a bit left field I wasn't expecting to tell you this story um it was when I was in Preston, and it was one of my favourite places, Frog and, Bucket, Frog, Frog and Bucket Preston. And I was the middle act, and um, my, I was up there visiting my uncle in Preston, but he was really ill, and he was in hospital. And just I just come in to visit him, and I said, oh, how are you doing, Harry? And then he went into cardiac arrest. Like, it was horrendous. So I left the hospital, went and do, 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 did a gig, and it was an amazing gig. Like, I mean, I remember standing there thinking, wow, I've got 20 minutes of my life. I don't know if my uncle is going to be alive at the end of this 20 minutes. 20 minutes is a really important amount of time in somebody's life. And I went and I did this lovely gig. It was most amazing. Oh, it's all about the audience. And there were loads of nurses in. And I was like loving the fact that there was nurses in I was so determined to give them as much entertainment as I possibly could because they're nurses and they could be saving my uncle's life and then the next day he was in in, um, intensive care and I went in to visit him and the nurse that was looking after him came up and went oh you he did get out of it although he has passed away now because the comedy was quite a long time ago but um yes yes I think he was quite proud of me although that my stuff was filth I don't know why I told you that story, Lucy. I didn't, but it was just, it's just my favourite idea of what comedy is, that you just go It's a perfect story. And also it illustrates to me a lot of the things you've just said there is that you do have to be really tough, don't you, to survive in comedy? Does that Mm. uh, give you qualities that you can then take into the world of credit control? (laughs) and ESG yes it so does because I feel like if I go into a meeting I can say well as long as somebody doesn't throw something at me this is going to do quite well really (laughs) in meetings it's much less likely that someone's going to throw a pint of lager at you my big takeout is people love you one minute and you do exactly the same thing and people will hate you for it (laughs) you just have to do your own thing you have to do the best for yourself um, and do your own thing and hope that at some point people will come around to your way of thinking. 
That's fantastic. And I very much hope that nobody throws lager over you at the next Sapphire board meeting. <laughs> I know, isn't it? I, I wanted to also say, because we were, I came up to see you in, in, in Cloud, which was so lovely to meet you all. Um, but I'm so excited that maybe people over there will put bees nest in your um, building, which would be so cool, wouldn't it? I would at last be able to say that it installed bees somewhere. There's a lovely green space out of the back of uh, of that office in Hare Hatch, which would look perfect with uh, beehives dotted across it. It would be idyllic, wouldn't it? Yes. So that's, I'm still there. I'm still thinking. So you have to help me do that loop now, Lucy. Let's try and make that happen. I think that's the least we can do. <laughs> well thank you so much for, thank for you me. Janice brilliant to have you on do let me know if you've been enjoying these episodes and also if you've got any suggestions of anybody you'd like to hear from or if indeed you'd like to feature as a guest yourself see you next time then goodbye goodbye